Hi, everybody. You are listening to the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Steve Edelman. And today we're going to be doing an episode on the Diabetes Warranty Program for the prevention, early detection, and aggressive management of the complications of diabetes. So, Steve, tell us about this topic, why it's important, and how long you've actually been talking about this. Well, yeah, you weren't even born, Jeremy, but <laughs> the Diabetes Warranty Program, um, we, we've been talking about this since the very first TCOID in 1995. And the concept is this. I, I relate to the car. You get a car, they give you a warranty program. You bring it in for the regular scheduled maintenance visits, and your car should run better and last longer. So it's the same with our bodies. And so these these different topics that are within the diabetes warranty program are so important to maintain our health. But very importantly, there's three areas, and I call them the global issues of diabetes. You know, obviously, we want to prevent complications of diabetes, and that's the first goal. And if we can't pre- prevent it completely, the next best thing is early detection. Because when we detect eye, kidney, nerve, and heart disease early, and we can treat it, and, the, and these conditions are much more amenable to treatment early in their natural history. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, um, once you do detect a complication, uh, early, I hope, is aggressive treatment of the complications. And I was just going to say, I'm... I'm- Glad we're just tackling this topic head on because let's be honest, when people have diabetes or newly diagnosed, you've had it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what are you worried about? You're worried about the complications. You're worried, am I going to be healthy? How, you know, am I going to have normal eyesight, normal kidneys, normal feet? And the message that I think we want to say off the top is that absolutely you can live a long and healthy life, but you have to be vigilant. You have to be educated. And that's what we're here to today to do to, to empower people to stay healthy with diabetes. Yeah. Well said. Hey, thanks. God, yeah. I don't have any like a script or anything. I just <laughs> off the top of my head. Well, we all, we all know that um, you know high glucose levels over the years underscore can lead to many complications, uh, no matter what type of diabetes you have. So, if you cannot prevent a complication, and not all of us are complication free, um, with aggressive treatment early on, you can halt or slow the progression. And I don't think we've ever had a time in history where we have so many tools and medications and therapies to nip complications in the bud. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's also so important because you've talked about this before that, first of all, there's a lot of shame in getting diabetes to begin with, especially type 2 diabetes. And on top of that, there's a lot of shame that that people carry around when they get complications. They feel it's their fault. Gosh, if they did a better job with, you know, their blood sugars, they wouldn't have X, Y, or Z. And I just think that's so bogus. You know, the bottom line is if you have, you know, a, a complication, whatever it is, that's really unfortunate. And we want to help you, you know, treat that complication. And we got to get rid of this this blame. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, one, one thing that really, um, I, I, I say bothers me is one thing. It may hurt another way. And no one, there's no harm intended when a person with diabetes gets on the stage, they're getting an award, they're giving a lecture, and they just say, I've had diabetes, you know, for 20 years, and I don't have any complications. And it, it and everybody say, applauds. Everyone applauds. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know, they just did something or won some Emmy. And I say to myself, well, gosh, I would be ashamed to get up there and say, Hey, I'm Steve Edelman. I've had diabetes 50 years and I do have complications. And, and those people don't mean anything by it. It's just, that's just the way it is. You know, you're, 
you're applauded and rewarded, you know, emotionally for not having any complications. Right. Well, thank you for mentioning that. I know that, you know, I think it is very valuable for our listeners that you, you are dealing with some complications and um, this becomes a really real part of your life and something that you think about a lot. So let's dive into this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you helped me come out of the closet on that. Yeah, thanks. You really did. You really yeah. did. Um, so we're going to talk about eyes, kidneys, nerves, heart, and teeth and gums. If you if, if you don't think that's part of the diabetes warranty prime, just wait. Um, okay. Well, here here's the bottom line with the eyes. It's very simple and very quick. Get a dilated eye exam from an eye specialist who is knowledgeable about diabetic eye disease. And that prevents blindness. And the one theme that you're going to hear me say a few times is that diabetic eye disease has no symptoms until they there are advanced problems. Many of the problems we're going to talk about in the diabetes warranty program do not have any symptoms in the early stages. And if they did, we wouldn't need the diabetes program. You'd, if, if diabetic retinopathy at, at its inception starts cause mm-hmm. eye pain, you go, yeah. holy crap, I, knew, I need to go see the eye doctor. Jeremy just poked me in the eye or something like that. So that is the most important thing about your eyes. Well, let me ask you, because, you know, you say dilated eye exam, and it seems recently a lot of, you know, more and more clinics are moving to these kind of like initial photographs that they can take in clinic, or I've had patients call me and say that they got some photos done at Costco. And in some places, those are, you know, kind of taking the place sometimes for a dilated eye exam. And they're using it as a kind of an initial screen. And if there's some issue sending people to get like a full exam, what do you say to that? Do you think that everybody should get their eyes dilated every year or yeah, some of this technology? Okay. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the official line on that question is if you've had diabetes five years that's when you should start get yearly screen type 2 should get screened right away because they may have had diabetes longer but unknown but did not know it so these what they call non-midriatic camera that means they're not dilating your eye but they're getting a good look and hopefully a ophthalmologist looks at those records that's probably good for a screening mm-hmm. uh, if you've had eye problems before uh, then obviously you're going to go back to an ophthalmologist and he's going to look in your eye with a split lamp. They're going to do OCTs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and to think yeah. about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CT, a CT of your of your eyes, which is not like the big CTs. But I think for screening um, and you don't have any other complications, there's no big risk factors, I think it probably could be okay. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I agree. And I, I just think that, you know, I do sympathize with patients um, when, you know, because they're usually putting off their eye exam and I'm always having to, you know, stay on them to get it done. I hate getting my eyes dilated for a couple of reasons. One, I think I'm just really sensitive to it. My eyes are messed up like the whole day. I can't read. I can't yeah. do anything. And two, when you go to the eye doctor, there really is only one kind of information that you could particularly get. And that's kind of bad news. I mean, the best case scenario is you're doing okay. There's, you know, there's no changes. I don't see anything bad. Um, but you're always kind of, if you don't have complications, you're worried, are they going to find something for the first time? And if you do have complications, you're worried, has it gotten worse? So as, as people with diabetes, we're, we're kind of in this place that all we want is just no news, you know, but that's, that's hard to kind of constantly live your life and, and struggle with your blood sugars day in and day out. Just so nothing happens. We're just working for nothing. And so that's just why I have to remind myself to, you know, I tell people celebrate these things. If you do get your eye exam and you know, there's no complications, take a moment to give yourself a pat on the back, 
Or if you do have something and it's stable and you've been working on it and it's not progressing, you know, similarly celebrate that because otherwise uh, there's there's very few wins in, in diabetes. Right near my ophthalmology office, there's a Baskin Robbins. Oh, yeah. That's where I go to celebrate <laughs> after each time. Oh. Um, well, you know what? Uh, no, you're right because I'm for when I go, since I've had... Uh, issues with my eyes. I've had retinopathy, immacular edema. I, I, I'm I kind of like holding my breath. Totally. Right. Until he says everything looks stable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Um, but I cannot emphasize enough. You got to go. You absolutely have to go. I'm just saying, like, I understand why people can put it off. But and what's your favorite flavor ice cream? Remind me again. Rocky Road. Rocky Road, for sure. Right? No question. I always look for the marshmallows in there. They never put it. You enough. know what's good, actually, is a Rocky Road milkshake. Where they actually will blend it up and you still can suck up the, the marshmallows and nuts in the straw. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Never had that, but uh, I'll have to try that next yeah. time. Um, okay. We covered the eyes. Okay. Now, recap. Then we're <laughs> going to do the kidneys. Now, um, it's it's really true that people can avoid kidney failure. And we now have different ways to prevent the progression. Uh, you and I just did a, a very nice program on that on TCOID Live. But you have to get a, this is all part of a warranty program. And by the way, I should say this, I should have said this earlier. People need to keep their own charts and notes. You know, don't rely on the doctor for documenting everything. Now things are better with EMRs and things like that. But you should keep track of all of the information. So um, you can avoid kidney failure. Get a yearly test of your kidney function. And this is something that we've been talking a lot about. And there are a couple important tests, but on a chem panel, everyone gets their creatinine and BUN. But then going further, we want to look at the the filtering ability of the kidney to filter out toxins and all the other things that a kidney does. And that's called the GFR, glomerular filtration rate. There's Sometimes there's a little E in front because as you mentioned uh, in the last program we did, it's an estimated calculation based on your creatinine um, and that's a very important number. Typically, normal is above 60. Yeah. And once you get below 60, they start categorizing you as chronic kidney disease. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's 3A, there's 3B, there's 4, and 5 is dialysis or the need for transplantation. And so, yeah, I'll say about there, is, yeah. is that is that is an estimate of, of just how much fluid your kidneys are able to filter. So the higher your GFR, the better. And anything above 60 is normal. And as we mentioned like previously, that anything um, above 60 is normal. And sometimes the labs will just say greater than 60. Sometimes they'll actually go up to 90, 100, whatever. But as long as you're 60, that's, that's normal. And that's a blood test. The other test that measures the structural damage with the kidney is called the urine albumin to creatinine ratio. It's called UACR, and you have to turn in your urine. They measure the albumin, Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they call it microalbumin, but it's the same thing. And they put it into a formula, and they come out with a urine albumin to creatinine ratio. And normal is less than 30. Uh, A medium uh, abnormality is 30 to 300, and not very good results is above 300. Mm -hmm. Those numbers can change with therapy, by the way. So these are two important tests, the EGFR 
and the UACR. Anything to add to that? Yeah, and just like so, the second one, the the microalbumin is is you know you come you urinate into a cup, and it's really measuring protein in your urine. And a non-diabetic individual, uh, there'll be zero protein in their urine. And if you start having damage to your kidneys, the the protein can kind of leak out, and it'll appear in the urine, and that can be measured. So. These are, again, two things that should be done annually. The GFR is a blood test. The microalbumin is a urine test. And then we already mentioned your eyes. This is done yearly, too. So as you're mentioning, like, kind of keeping records of this, just having checkboxes that your provider might not remember to bring this up. Every year I need to get my eyes done. Maybe that's the same same time I get my kidney function done. Um, and staying on top of this. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's that little warranty book that you get in your car. Yeah, when you get exactly. a new car, they check it off mm-hmm. after charging you three hundred dollars. Timing uh, belt or whatever. Yeah, but guess what? Yeah. I have a Tesla. There's no, there's no manual. Oh, geez, just rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> now here, here comes the same theme again. Uh, there are no symptoms of early kidney disease, mm-hmm. so diabetic kidney disease has no symptoms until they, you're at advanced stages. So someone comes in, they're feeling terrible. Their legs are swollen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have other issues going on. Uh, they may not be producing too much urine like they used to, and then the doctor says, "Hey, you're 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 in kidney failure." And they go, "What?" So this is why the warranty program is so important mm-hmm. to stay on top of this. And you may get it more than once a year. You know, most people get the the metabolic panel every time they go see the doctor. Probably not needed, but nonetheless, it's a good way to stay on top of this. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the, the, the main thing of prevention, for your eyes, it really is all about your blood sugar control. For your kidneys, blood sugar control is super important, but also blood pressure. And I'm sure this is going to come up many times during the warranty program. Um, making sure your blood sh- pressure is under control. We try to keep people under 130 over 80. Um, and if you float above that, you might need some medications. Yep. And I always like to mention people. Everybody should have their own blood pressure cuff, mm-hmm. either a good wrist one or arm one, and then learn how to use it. So I could tell you a funny story that before that, that they- part's important, learning how to use it. Otherwise, you just kind of kick it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to do it right. Otherwise, you're not going to get good value. Mm-hmm. Um, before they came up with a calculation to do the EGFR, mm-hmm. us type ones from a different generation had to urinate in a jug. And they still do that someday. For 24 hours, right? 24-hour yeah. urine collection. They do a creatinine clearance, which is they they measure the EGFR, and it's a true value. And they, and in medicine, anything you collect 24 hours is more accurate than a spot check. But the the new spot check for EGFR is is the very- The microalbumin, the protein, too. The yeah. protein. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super convenient. So I used to have this big jug in the fridge when I did mine, uh, and it- and my kids so always... So you would, you would pee into a jug and put it in the fridge? Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to. Okay. You had to keep it cold or it made the the oh results okay. in de- inaccurate. So you don't even remember. Um, you had to keep it cold. Okay. So uh, my kids always drank out of the containers. I wonder where they learned from. So I, I had to take a big indelible ink marker and write, this is not lemonade on there. Oh, my gosh. And well, You'd only make that mistake once if you did it. Yeah, and the jugs were <laughs> big old jugs. You know, you... And urinate up to two liters for 24 hours. Okay, next we're going to go to the feet. Now, this is really important because I don't like when when I hear speakers say to every person with diabetes in the crowd, you know, you all need to check your feet every night um, and 
you know, look inside your shoes and your socks. And here's the thing. If you, if you are normal, if you have normal sensation, Mm -hmm. meaning that if you stepped on a a tack or a little stone, you'd yell bloody murder. We're not worried about people like you. It's the people that have numbness Mm -hmm. and they don't feel anything. They can step on a tack. They don't realize it. A few days later, they, they, they smell like kind of a, their skin being infected uh, and then you're already past a critical point of early therapy. So for people that have neuropathy, they don't, their lack of sensation, you have to really be careful. You know, my old joke is don't walk on a hotbed of coals and, and you have to really examine your feet every night. And so when would you recommend people to get a podiatrist and how often should they go? Is it only if they can't feel their feet? You know, what do you say? I would say this, that if they have big, thick fungus nails, whether they can feel their feet or not, uh, the podiatrist can use a file, uh, a little uh, sander, much safer to let them trim your nails. Even people in their office are well trained to do that. Um, if you have any history of foot ulcers that went uh, beyond what they should have, I mean, then you need to see a podiatrist. Mm-hmm. But if you have normal sensation and your feet are perfect and you never have any issues with them, no, you don't need to see a podiatrist at all. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. I don't want everyone to think, add, don't add it to your list if you don't need it. And I, I really think it's highlighting, again, what you said initially is that sometimes people think I have diabetes, like, you know, I'm just going to lose my feet. And it, it's, it is the exact reason that you said that it's only a problem if you don't feel something, you get a cut, you don't treat it. That's how people can lose their limbs and the infection goes unchecked. And so as long as you have sensation intact and can notice these things, then you're, you're protected. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Okay, next um, is protect your heart and blood vessels. Now, this is brought up all the time when we talk about the things we need to do to keep our heart and kidneys healthy, as you mentioned earlier. So we go the A, B, C, D of, of diabetes care. It's simple, but it helps us remember. So A is for? Aspirin. So we want anybody uh, with diabetes over 50, really is the recommendation, um, to take a baby aspirin, 81 milligrams a day. Um, it, it's kind of a very mild blood thinner, if you will, and it can definitely decrease the risk of, of, of heart attacks and strokes. Yeah, that's been shown time and time again. And, you know, don't just start it on your own. You should talk to your caregiver because there's a few conditions where you, you should not be on aspirin. And the other A is? A1C. Yeah. And A1C, we all know we're trying to shoot for around seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's goal is a little bit different, but obviously, um, you know, you know, the A1C is just the average. We, sh- I don't know where we get to. Th- we have to add the T on here, time and range sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a newer glycemic index. And I always like to make the point that with A1C, you know, we're always trying to get it less than seven. But any improvement helps reduce microvascular problems, eyes, kidneys, uh, feet. So if you're sitting at 12 and you go to 11, that is a huge success. Certainly we want to get you down to seven, but sometimes people can kind of feel defeated. Well, I'm not less than seven, so why am I even trying? No, no, no. Every 1% you drop your A1C drops your risk of microvascular complications by about 30%. So celebrate those wins again. Yeah, that's a great statistic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, B, blood pressure. Get your own blood pressure cuff and the normal range. Learn how to use it. Learn how to use it. Thank you for reminding me. Um, And and a lot of people, I I, I sometimes make this suggestion. Uh, When you go in to see a healthcare professional, you could bring it with you 
to see if your measurement at the time that they measure it with their fancy machines, automated machines, are, are close. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, not that we need to calibrate these machines, but they're usually pretty good. Um, you know, and the normal range, if you can get your blood pressure less than 130 over 80, 130 is a systolic, 80 is the diastolic. These are two measurements of the the pressure on your heart and when it's pumping out blood and then when it's relaxing and filling up with blood. Both numbers are important. Um, and there are lots of very good therapies to get your blood pressure at goal. But I, I think you and I, I know we cannot emphasize enough how important blood pressure is. It negatively affects every organ when it's high over the years. Yeah. And the one, you know, practical thing about it too is, you know, absolutely discuss this with your, your diabetes provider. I think a problem with blood pressure is sometimes practitioners don't know who's taking care of it. You know, we might think, oh gosh, their, their primary care is dealing with it. And the primary care might think that we're dealing with it. Somebody needs to be actively looking at your blood pressure and managing it. And your diabetes provider can absolutely do that as well as your primary care. Well, I think, um, (laughs) that's an excellent point. I've never heard you say it before, but, uh, I would say you as the person living with diabetes needs to be the person closest to the measurements. Obviously you're going to need professional help to figure out what, what needs to be done to get it down. So what about, um, cholesterol? That's C. That's, so that's next. Yeah. So A, recap, it was A1C and aspirin. <laughs> uh, B, blood pressure control. C, cholesterol. And, um, you know, the lower the better. So if you have diabetes and you're over 40, the recommendation now is to be on a statin. And we can talk all day about the, the bad press that statins get, but these really are fantastic, wonderful drugs. And there are several others. If you are intolerant to a statin, if you're one of those uh, few patients, but they are, there are out there that get muscle aches when you take statins, there are other very good options, at least two other very good options, three others, to keep your LDL at goal. Less than 100 for every person with diabetes, less than 70 if you've already had a heart problem. Mm-hmm. Now you said the lower the better, but that's not true with HDL. That's HDL true. is the good cholesterol, but you know, Mother Nature uh, has your HDL level pretty much set. There's not too many things we do. We know drinking a, a m- mild amount of alcohol could raise your HDL. Yeah, exercise. Yours is like 97, right? From yeah, all those old yeah. fashions and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> drinking and exercising, it really will raise your HDL levels. But typically, if you if you see someone that is you know, advanced in their years, you know, 80s, 90s, 100s, and their their HDLs are always high. Yeah. So, you know, I always say too, with blood pressure and cholesterol, they're, they're relatively easy to deal with. We've got a lot of good options for both of these. Once you get, you know, your regiment locked in, you don't really have to futz with it. But I'll say again that I'm, I'm guilty a lot of the time that a patient will come in to see me and I spend the whole visit talking about their blood sugars, different medications, and if they're type ones, you know, what we can do with their insulin dosing. And they'll leave and I'll be writing my note and seeing, gosh, their blood pressure was elevated, their LDL is high, and we didn't even talk about it. And so when it comes to heart disease, which is the number one killer of everybody on the planet, and especially for people with diabetes, um, blood pressure and cholesterol are actually the most important thing, even more than blood sugar. So we all need to do a better job, I think, of making sure that we address this at every visit, knowing what your targets are, and and potentially and probably being on therapy for them. Yeah, that's that's well said, because a lot of times uh, we forget about the basics, and those are the hard solid basics. Now, while you're talking about heart, 
um, I'd say in, in years past, it, there wasn't much we could do about it. Um, in blood pressure and cholesterol, people got tired of talking about it, which they shouldn't have. But now we have diabetes medications. D, we got to stick with our theme here. D, diabetes drugs. I, I am. Okay. Just, just <laughs> giving people a little taste okay. of the topic. D for drugs. And when I started talking about the diabetes warranty program in 1995, there was no drugs really specific for preventing serious cardiac issues. Um, there were drugs to treat you if you had a heart attack and things like that. So the two new classes of drugs that are officially approved for people with type 2 diabetes are GLP-1 receptor agonists, such as Trulicity uh, and Ozembic and this newer medication, Monjaro. Monjaro. <laughs> yeah. And then there are SGLT2 inhibitors, such as Farziga and Jardians. There's others. And um, in general, the GLP-1 receptor agonists, besides lowering glucose and really helping with weight, they reduce heart attacks and strokes. And the SGLT2 inhibitors are very much effective in reducing congestive heart failure, which is common in people with diabetes, and reduce the progression of chronic kidney disease. So think about that. We're using these drugs now for people even without diabetes because they have such profound effects on, on heart and kidney protection. So it just goes to show that these drugs can improve your blood sugars, help you lose weight, help protect your heart and kidneys. So it really is a new day. And you're saying that before, not only did we not have diabetes medications that were shown to improve heart outcomes, there was actually some concern that, that you know, some drugs might actually worsen you know, heart conditions. And now that's completely not true. We know that these drugs are fantastic. I think that everybody with diabetes should be on a GLP-1 and an SGLT-2, but certainly people with any heart or kidney problems. Yeah. So if you're if you're a type 1 and you have chronic kidney disease like me, um, am I eligible for a drug like Farziga, an SGLT-2 inhibitor? You are. It's a little bit of a gray area because we don't use those drugs for, you know, specifically for type 1. However, they're indicated for people with chronic kidney disease without diabetes and you fall into that category i suppose without type 2 without type 2 yes. yeah yeah well just to you know <laughs> let everyone know this my medical secrets or it's not really a secret but i'm on farziga as you know and um my nephrologist gave it to me i was chronic kidney disease stage 3 and i'm very happy to report my urine albumin to creatinine ratio which represents the structural damage went from above 300 to below 30 Wow, I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Well, I no, mean, we like definitely got to go for drinks later. We were yeah. talking, you were kind of on the fence later about getting drinks, but now I think we have to go celebrate. <laughs> got to go celebrate. <laughs> All right, so that's, well, and, and we and should. What about E? That's an important one. Well, E is. Eliminate smoking. And, you know, I think conceptually the easiest, but practically it's very difficult. And, you know, we are certainly sympathetic to that, but uh, eliminating cigarette smoking is probably the most effective thing you can do in terms of improving heart and, uh, yeah. and kidney health too. Yeah. Now we don't want to just be a bunch of uh, drug pushers, uh, you know, blood pressure drugs, aspirin, cholesterol, diabetes drugs, but we realize that Slow, realistic lifestyle modification has to be part of the, the program. And I could say that on our website, in the video vault, we have so many great lectures by a dietitian, Adriana Valencia and others. So this goes without saying, you know, including lectures by Mike Rydell, who's an exercise 
expert in diabetes. So, you know, it, it's all part of the whole package. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're getting to one of the last topics. You know, why do, why do I say teeth and gums? Because when you have periodontal disease where your gums are infected, you know, the flora is full of microorganisms. Sounds pretty gross, but they're normally supposed to be there. But if you don't have good hygiene or your glucose control is high, making you more prone to infection, then you, you're, these microorganisms just go out of control and they, there's an overgrowth syndrome and you get terrible periodontal disease leads to not only bad breath, but your recession of your gums and then your teeth become loose and then you need implants. So it's really important that you see your dentist regularly, get your teeth cleaned at least twice a year. I get mine cleaned every three times a year. I pay the extra amount because my insurance only pays for two. Mm -hmm. And that's when they go in there and they check the depth yeah. Of your pockets, you two, know, when the two, three, 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 two, four. three, no, <laughs> you know, five, six. Yeah. You know what? When, when they're doing the two, three, two, two, why don't they automate that? It's, uh-huh. they have to call someone else in the room that starts scribbling it down. But you know what? The depth of those pockets are important. So I, I got to tell you my usual uh, advice mm-hmm. that first of all, tooth and gum disease is common, especially in people with diabetes, because as I said, if you've had high glucose, it can get out of control. Two, you should brush your teeth twice a day, morning and night. You know, some people brush it more. Um, and floss once a day, at least one week before and after you go to the dentist. Now, I'm glad <laughs> you laughed because... Classic Steve joke. Classic Steve <laughs> joke. And when I used to say this joke in front of a thousand people, you, you couldn't even hear yourself think. But, you know, now that we've gone virtual, all of my good jokes, they... They've gone to the wayside, uh, but it is important. I used to have a pair of Billy Bob teeth that I put on. You know, it was it was, it was pretty funny. Okay, <laughs> so you know, to to finish up, we want to end on a happy note. So, if you look at the complications of diabetes, we always say poorly controlled, quote unquote, can lead to complications: heart disease, kidney disease, you know, blindness and amputations. I got statistics we can scare the heck out of you. But we know that poor controlled diabetes can do that. But one thing people don't hardly ever say is that, well, well-managed diabetes is the leading cause of absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. So people don't talk about well-controlled diabetes. Mm-hmm. It's just too boring. So, yeah. It's good to be boring with diabetes. It's, it's good to be boring. Like uh, like you mentioned, when you go to the, ophthalm- <laughs> you go up the ophthalmologist's office, so basically, um, the answer is nothing, you know. Uh, uh, it's, it's just so important to stay on top of these things. And as I mentioned earlier, so many of these quote-unquote complications of diabetes are asymptomatic in the early stages. And so you have to have early detection. And I think this is so important just to reinstill hope in people. Because again, I think there can be a lot of hopelessness in people that have been struggling with weight for a long time and got told that they have diabetes. And like I said in the beginning, they think it's just a foregone conclusion. It's a matter of time before, you know, I go blind, X, Y, Z. And as a result, they don't engage with their diabetes. What's the point? Why would I take all these medications? They're costly and I don't feel any different. Well, if you realize that these medications are not only keeping you, you know, healthy, but living a long and healthy life. And also there's data now showing that people that do control their diabetes can live even longer than people without. So I think it's really flipping the narrative on this, that this can be 
a way to motivate you, not just to control your diabetes, but control your health, uh, control your life, uh, just be healthier and potentially happier. Yeah, we know out of out of respect for Bill Polonsky, our infamous touchy-feely guy, you know, he came up with this phrase and T-shirt. Newsflash, well-managed diabetes, leading cause of, and you turn around and the back says nothing. And Bill always shows a quote, and I think that's a great way to end our program, from Sir William Osler. You know, some guy wearing some funny outfit from, you know, a century ago. And the guy was very smart. He said, the way, the way to live a long and healthy life is to develop a chronic disease and take care of it. So you think about all the suggestions we made, which is healthy living, exercise, you know, normal weight. That's the best way. And people with diabetes are living longer than their non-diabetic counterparts who now all of a sudden have been given instructions on how to live a long and healthy life when before they were diagnosed, they weren't doing that. Yeah. Well, I like that quote. It's a good way to end. I hope you guys enjoyed our diabetes warranty program. Thank you, Steve, for creating this, you know, 25 plus years ago, because it still holds true today. We're modifying it slightly, but the messages are still there. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, everyone.